You're listening to the Oddscast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA oddsmaker Nick Kalikas and MMA journalist Brian Hemminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. MMAoddsbreaker.com. Don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to the Oddscast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts odds maker Nick Kalikas from Circus Sports to break down this Saturday's UFC 251 event, which takes place on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC 251 features a 13-fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN+, ESPN, and Pay-Per-View this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a bantamweight fight between Martin Day, who is nine and three, and Davy Grant, who is nine and four. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? A couple quick things, as always, before we get rolling here. The first one, make sure you check out UFC Fight Pass. We did UFC on the line for UFC 251 and Fight Island in general, so we covered above and beyond UFC 251. Unfortunately, the Usman-Burns fight was kind of the headliner at that point when we shot the show, but still, there's a lot of quality information to get throughout because we covered, again, the main card of UFC 251 and some important fights that are going to be hosted on Fight Island. So it's definitely well worth the watch, so make sure you head over to UFC Fight Pass and check out UFC On The Line. And also getting into the odds a little bit, explaining things. Um, the opening odds that I'll be quoting are from MMAOddsBreaker.com, the opening odds article for UFC 251 done by Adam Martin. And then the updated odds I'm going to be referring to are from Circa Sports here in Las Vegas. So that's where the odds are kind of coming from and what I'm going to be kind of dictating along the way through this podcast. But getting right into the first fight, as Brian mentioned, Day versus Grant. Man, what a great fight. The opening line was Day minus 110, Grant minus 110. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is currently minus 165 for Day, the comeback on Grant at plus 145. So early action did come in on Day. Um, I'm not really that shocked. I think Martin Day, there's a lot to love about this guy, man. I mean, if you watch him fight, the improvements that he's made, he's an exciting fighter in general. I mean, his striking ability – is fun to watch. There's no doubt about it. He's very effective. He's got some pop in his punches. He's got some speed. He mixes things up well. Um, he's developing his ground game to the point where his takedown defense is definitely improving and it's getting better all the time. He's got a little bit of a submission game to go along with it. So he's a pretty well-rounded fighter that's on the rise constantly and he's getting better. You see that, like I said, fight by fight. The other side of it, Grant, he presents a lot of problems for Day, though. I mean, we have to be honest about this spot because Grant is typically your grinder, your grappler that's going to come in looking to take the fight to the floor, and that's caused Day problems in the past. So we have to see those improvements continue for Day to win this fight over Grant. Grant's been in there with a lot of solid competition, and his stand-up's really not that bad either. He has a little bit of power on the feet. Um, again, he likes to mix things up, and he's not afraid to use his striking to kind of close that distance and get the takedowns. So that's his path to victory. He's going to come in looking to strike a little bit and get get Day to the ground and utilize his submission game and his grappling and his grinding edge over Day. Day's going to look to kind of sprawl and brawl, keep this fight upright, and kind of pick Grant apart. So two conflicting styles for sure. I'm going to side with Day slightly in this spot. Um, for me, I was honestly tempted to bet Martin Day, but the more I looked at this fight, the more concerned I am about Grant maybe 
implementing his style enough to make this uh, very difficult for the judges to score if it hits the scorecards. So I don't trust judging, as most of you know. So with that said, I'm probably going to stay away from this fight unless the line drops drastically. But I am going to lean Day. I think, again, those improvements that he's made, in my opinion, are going to continue. And I think he's stylistically going to pick Grant apart. If he can keep this fight off his back, I think he can win this fight. So my pick is Day. I think he's on the rise where Grant has kind of plateaued and he's probably, I don't want to say he's on a decline, but I think that he's not going to definitely trend in the upper direction, so to speak. So my pick is Martin Day to win the fight. And I'm going to go the other way, but I'm going to be cautious about this one because uh, Grant, while he did get the win in his last fight. He had a lot more trouble with Popov than I thought he would. Um, you know, and he was exhausted by the time that fight was over. So, uh, with Day, uh, in his UFC debut against Lou, uh, granted this was about 20 months ago, but, uh, he also had some issues on the ground and that also was a problem with him on his contender series bout. So, I mean, it's clear as day for me. That if Grant's going to win this fight, he's going to need to use his wrestling. Now, Day was able to to stifle Lou's takedowns pretty well, and his takedown defense is improving every time we see him. Um, but uh, I think Grant is a better wrestler than Lou, a much better wrestler. So I th- I still think that he's going to be good enough offensively with his wrestling to put Day in some compromising situations on the canvas. Uh, Day does have a little bit of a submission game, but I don't think it'll be enough to put uh, Grant in a bad spot. Um, where Day is most likely to win this fight, obviously, is the stand-up. You know, that's his strength. He's got some power there. He's got some good technique. Um, and Grant, while he's, you know, not terrible, a fish out of the water on the feet, uh, that's clearly not his strength. So the longer this fight stays standing, uh, the more I think Day wins the fight, but... I think Grant's wrestling is going to be a little bit too good here. And as long as he doesn't gas out from repeated takedown attempts like he did in the pop-off fight, um, I think that he can do enough to win a decision. So I'm going to side with Davy Grant. Now, moving up to the women's Bantamweight division, we have Vanessa Mello, who is 10-7, taking on Carol Rosa, who is 12-3. Now, Nick... What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Rosa opened minus 210, the comeback on Mello at plus 160. And right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is currently a minus 240 on Rosa, the comeback on Mello at plus 205. So a little bit more action coming in Rosa's way, a little bit more confidence at the betting window for her. I understand it. I think she probably does win this fight. But my concern here, it's going to be fireworks, man. I mean, Mello brings it. She pushes forward. She's a tough chick. I mean, she can absorb the punishment. She could dish it out as well. I mean, she's game, so I think that this is going to be a very competitive fight, a 29-28 type of decision win for Rosa. I think Rosa's going to be able to land a little bit more frequently. I think she is the better technical striker overall, and I like what I see from her. I mean, uh, there's a lot to like about both of these ladies, and I, like I said, I think really this fight is fireworks. I mean, they're going to be both willing to stand and trade. They're both tough as nails. They're going to be coming forward and, and pushing a very high pace. So there's no way that this fight can be a dud. I mean, it's definitely going to be an exciting fight. But with all that said, I really lean towards Rosa. I mean, there's not much more to say about it, like I said, because I think that's how it's going to play out. It's going to be back and forth. They're both going to be putting the pressure on, and I just think Rosa's going to be landing a little bit more frequently. Would I lay that minus 210 or minus 240 now? Probably not. I mean, I would honestly avoid it because I am worried about the judging. Judging always is a factor, and I think this has 
the likeliness of being a competitive fight, like I mentioned. And uh, so I'd be worried about laying that chalk in this fight because I think Melo's a lot better than people realize and suspect. And she's going to show up here and, and be very game, like I said. So my pick is Rosa. I think she is the better fighter. and She should uh, come away with a W here, but it should be a competitive fight. So Rosa for me. Yeah, Rosa is a really talented fighter. I think she really impressed me um, in her fight against uh, Procopio, who I think a, a lot of people thought was going to win that fight. Um, and Procopio was a talented stand-up striker in her own right. And I think, honestly, this is an easier fight for Rosa than the Procopio fight was. Uh, Mello is dangerous. She is a pretty good striker, um, and she counters well. But um, I just I don't think that she is that accurate of a striker. Um, you know, she held her own in her fights against, uh, Aldana and Cortez, but, um, you know, she did get, uh, beat pretty strongly, uh, in terms of, uh, actual landing strikes. So, uh, and then you look at Rosa, who just had a tremendous output of strikes in her UFC debut against Procopio. It, uh, and usually in UFC debuts, people are a little nervous. They might be a little hesitant. They may gas. And that just did not happen. So I think uh, in this fight, uh, while Mello is a pretty talented striker, I just think that Rosa is uh, going to be more aggressive, uh, going to be pushing a higher pace, going to have more pressure. And I just don't think that Mello can keep up with her over the course of three rounds in terms of landing big shots. So um, I think – and. If anybody does get a knockdown or get a finish here, I think it's Rosa. Um, I think her power and volume are just going to be too much for Mello. Mello and I think uh, Rosa walks away with a either one-sided decision or uh, possibly gets a TKO finish along the way if Mello can't keep up with her pace. So Rosa is going to be my pick. Now dropping down to the flyweight division, we have Zalgis Zumagulov, who is 13 and 3, taking on Rowlin Paiva, who is 19 and 3. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Paiva open minus 115, Zumagulov at minus 105, and right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is currently Paiva minus 180, the comeback on Zumagulov at plus 155. So, again, another spot where obviously Paeva got bet up a little bit. I think rightfully so, man. I love what I see in Paeva. I think he's he's definitely a talented up-and-coming fighter. Um, not that Zumagulov is not. I mean, I'm glad he's making his official UFC debut. This guy's been around for a little while fighting solid competition outside of the UFC. I mean, he's got some big wins in his career um, against solid competition. And Zumagulov is a well-rounded fighter, pushes a high pace. He's got uh, just every skill set that you want to compete at a high level in the UFC. He's got good wrestling. He's got good speed with his stand-up. He's got effective striking to go along with it. Um, he's got a very savvy ground game. Just everything. Like I said, Zuma Gulov is definitely the total package. The problem here is, I mean, he's fighting Paeva, which is, 
I think just the better fighter overall. He's younger. I think he's obviously got a reach advantage over Zumagulov. I think he's the better striker. He can be the more effective striker. I think his takedown defense is good enough to keep it upright. Obviously, Paeva's uh, submission game is improving as well. So he's just on the rise. And I think Zumagulov, again, he's making his debut against a very difficult stylistic matchup for him. So this is another fight that's going to be fireworks. There's no doubt about it. Um, and Zumagulov's going to want to come in here and prove a point. But I just think he's going to bite off a little bit more than he could chew in Paeva. So, I mean, it's hard not to like Paeva here. Um, if you check out UFC on the line, I go into a little bit more detail as well with uh, Paeva and, and actually get him, give him out in uh, parlay on that show. So that's a little bit of a, I guess, a sneak peek. So make sure you head over again to Fight Pass and check out UFC on the line and you can check out what I'm saying exactly. But I do like Paeva. I think he's just constantly improving and the, really the sky's the limit for him, man, if he keeps on improving at the rate he is. So this should be a good fight. I'm not underestimating Zumagulov. Again, I, I'm glad he's making his UFC debut. He's a very talented fighter. Fighter, and he's a welcome addition to the flyweight division. I just think it's a it's a tough matchup for him against Paeva. So the pick for me is Paeva. And I'm also going to come in on Paeva. I mean, Zuma Gulov is a talented fighter, but this is a tough UFC debut for him. I mean, Paeva came into the UFC on a 12-fight winning streak. Um, now, he did have a couple uh tough losses to start his UFC run, but it seems like he is uh, really bouncing back strong. Uh, most recently, you know, just crushing, uh, Mark De La Rosa. Um, you know, this guy is, uh, pretty long for the division. I think he's going to be about three inches taller than, um, uh, Zumagulov. And, uh, while Zumagulov, you know, he's also entering the UFC on a nice little, uh, run that includes some quality wins over Tyson Nam, who just recently got his first UFC win. And, uh, he beat a uh, former title challenger, uh, Ali Bagotinov in his last fight, although that was a pretty close decision. Um, in this fight, uh, Zuma Gulov is a, I think it'll stay standing for the f- first of all. Um, and I just think that Paeva is the better, more technical striker. Now, Zuma Gulov is very dangerous, uh, but he's also really wild and aggressive. Um, I mean, he just explodes forward and throws these big, huge, uh, you know, just haymakers almost. Now, I think that those, you know, could help sway judges, but I don't think that they're going to land enough. And I expect Paeva to stay composed because he is such a talented striker. And I think that he can kind of pick apart Zumagulov a little bit. Uh, and take advantage of Zumagulov putting himself in a few uh, precarious positions with his stand-up. Um, so I just think over the course of three rounds, Paeva is going to outpoint Zumagulov and uh, win the decision. Uh, I think this fight does go the distance uh, because both guys are talented strikers, but uh, I think that they have good enough defense to avoid, you know, just getting one super one-sided either way. So I think Paeva wins a pretty closely contested decision because, uh, and my main fear here is that Zumagulov can sway judges with that aggressive wild style, but uh, Paeva will be my pick. Now moving all the way up to the heavyweight division, we have Marcin Tibora, who is 18 and six taking on Maxim Grishin, who is 37 and with two draws, who is, hang on, let me redo that. Now, moving up to the heavyweight division, we have Marcin Tibora, who is 18 and 6, 
taking on Maxime Grishin, who is 30 and 7 with two draws. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Grishin open minus 135, the comeback on Tabura minus 105. And right now, over at Circa Sports, we currently have minus 115 on Tabura, the comeback on Grishin at minus 105. So line flipped, more action coming in Tabura's way. But there is some steady two-way action coming in at, at this point on this fight. I, I think we're going to see a lot of split opinions on this fight as well. I mean, first of all, let's say Grishin is making this fight, taking this fight on short notice. He's moving up to heavyweight. He's normally a light heavyweight. Um, so that has to factor in the equation as well. Tabura having a longer camp, he's being more prepared, obviously, for, you know, and again, the larger, physically larger, naturally bigger fighter. Um, so he's got some advantages coming into this fight right away. But I think the overall more technical and better fighter is Grishin in this spot, to be honest with you. I think he's going to have a little bit of a speed advantage over Tabura. Not that Tabura is slow. For heavyweight, he's actually not that bad as far as the speed goes, but I still like what I see from Grishin. I think he will be a little bit faster. He's going to be in that spot where he's kind of the hungry guy that wants to come in here and prove a point. And I think he's catching Tabura at the right time. Even though Tabura bounced back and got a pretty solid win in his last outing, um, I, we've seen him kind of be a roller coaster as of late. I mean, we, we need to see a little bit more consistency. And I think, again, Grishin is kind of in that spot where he could come in, make some waves, beat a guy like Tabura, possibly drop back down, obviously, light heavyweight, and then try to make a run. I mean, we've seen Grishin do some really good things in PFL. Um, so I like his progression. He's been around this sport for a long time, even before PFL, obviously he's been on the Euro scene for quite a while, obviously from Russia, the guy's just a beast and he's continuing to improve, um, his skill set overall. He's got really good striking. He's got knockout power on the feet, but he's no slouch on the ground either. So he's a total package when it comes to complete skill set to He, again, he does have some advantages in this spot. I think it will be competitive. If it, hit, if it hits the scorecards, it's probably going to be a 29, 28, almost a split decision type of fight. I think it's going to be a very, very close fight. So pick about right, to be honest with you. And I, I think that's why you're going to see split opinions on this fight. But again, I think the timing is right. Even though Grishin is coming in on short notice, I think he's kind of catching Tabura at the right time. So I'm going to pick Grishin to win. Not a confident pick and not one that you could go at the betting window and, you know, lay down a lot of cash on for sure. But I do think Grishin can get it done. So I'm going to be pulling for him. I hope he does have a successful UFC debut because I think he can kind of make some noise in the light heavyweight division and see where he goes from there. But my pick is going to be Grishin to win this fight. And I'm going to come the other way, but I'm going to be really cautious about this one because Grishin is the real deal. I mean, this guy is a very talented young fighter. Um, he has looked really good over uh, the past, what, 21 fights or so. Uh, I think he's gone 18-1-2 since 2011. So he's coming into the UFC with a lot of momentum, uh, had a lot of success in PFL, um, including some impressive victories over guys like uh, Jordan Johnson, a UFC vet. I think he handed him his first loss. So uh, you know, this guy definitely has some talent. Uh, my main issue with Grishin is uh, he is a light heavyweight, and he's taking this fight on short notice. So, uh, you know, Marcin Tabora is a big, strong heavyweight with some talent. He's not a big lumbering heavyweight, so I think that he can keep up with Grishin on the feet. Um, and Tabura is a pretty talented striker. He's not a world beater there, but 
Um, he has a good kicking game as well. He's got, uh, you know, picked up a knockout or two over the course of his career with head kicks. So on the feet, I think that he can hold his own there, although I'm a little concerned about Grisham's speed and uh, kickboxing ability. But I think where Tibora really has the biggest strength is uh, in the clinch where he can overpower Grishin if he can close the distance. And obviously, if he can get this to the floor, Tibora does have a decent ground game. So, um, you know, on the feet, I think it's anybody's game, although I might be slightly leaning Grishin. But if Tibora can uh, close the distance, I think that he'll be in a, a decent position here. Um, and I think you know, after this fight, obviously, as Nick said, Grishin will be dropping back down to light heavyweight, and I think that he'll have some success there. I mean, this kid is clearly talented, um, but uh, short notice against a pretty legit heavyweight who, you know, bounced back pretty strong in his last fight. But uh, my main concern with Tibora is, you know, before he bounced back in that last win against Spivak, he had lost four of his last five. Uh, granted, all four losses were against pretty legitimate uh, UFC heavyweights. He's kind of been at a gatekeeper role now in the heavyweight division, but I'm not sure that Grishin is, you know, at heavyweight is good enough to pass that gate. So I'm going to side with Tabora. I think he wins a decision here, but I wouldn't be shocked if Tabora can't close the distance if Grishin, uh, can win a decision on the feet or potentially even knock Tibora out. It has happened before, like against Sakai. So uh, this would be a really interesting fight, really dramatic uh, opponent shift as well for Tibora on short notice. He was preparing to face a, a wrestler. So now he's facing a rangy, quick striker. So uh, that also could be a factor as well with uh, Tibora's preparation. But regardless, I'm still going to pick Tibora, but cautiously. Now... Dropping down to the lightweight division, we have Leonardo Santos, who is 17-3-1, taking on Roman Bogatov, who is 10-0. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Santos opened minus 190, the comeback on Bogatov at plus 150, and right now what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is minus 170 for Santos, the comeback on Bogatov at plus 150. So people are betting Bogatov a little bit more here, and there has been some a little bit of two-way action coming in, obviously, in this fight as well. But I think there's more love for the younger, fresher newcomer, the debuting guy with a lot of hype in Bogatov, over the savvy vet in Santos. I mean, let's not forget Santos is almost 40 years old, despite him having a really amazing UFC career thus far. He just hasn't fought consistently enough for us to kind of you know hold him on that pedestal or, or just appreciate his run. Uh, as much as we all really should. But this guy is just a phenom on the ground. Obviously, I'm talking about Santos. I mean, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is off the charts. I mean, world-class grappler, of course. But he's gotten his stand-up to the point where he can be very effective. Just look at his last win, man. I mean, this guy's legit everywhere the fight takes place. Um, his boxing's getting a lot better. He's confident staying up and, you know, banging with his opponents now, too. So everywhere the fight takes place, he's more than confident. But the problem is he's 40 years old. And again, I just mentioned that inconsistency of him getting in there and fighting uh, as often as we'd like. So there are some question marks surrounding him in that regard. And I think Bogatov is coming in kind of at a good time because I, I really think that if, if there's any signs of slowing down for Santos, Bogatov can kind of exploit that and probably end up getting a decision win. If this fight hits the scorecards, I can see Bogatov kind of edging this out. Stylistically, it should be a nightmare matchup for him, though, if you think about it, because Bogatov is more 
of your wrestler type that's going to look to take this fight to the floor. He has outstanding wrestling. I mean, he's a grinder. I mean, there's no question about that. He likes to take this fight to the floor. He's got really good um, takedown ability. He's got good scrambling ability overall. He's powerful. So I like what I see in that regard. But is it going to work against the grappling of Santos? I don't know, man. I mean, you're almost like asking for it to kind of tangle with Santos too much on the ground. But from what I've seen defensively from Bogotov against lesser competition, of course, than Santos, he's very keen on the ground and he might be able to to kind of keep Santos at bay and avoid the submissions if he gets on top and controls the fight that way. But I still think you're kind of playing with fire here. He's going to be sticking his neck into, you know, into those takedowns a little bit. Santos could take advantage of that. Santos isn't bad off his back. Santos might get an offensive takedown in his own right. Um, and Santos has better striking. So it's hard not to pick Santos. He should be favored in this fight. It's just all the question marks that I said surrounding him that kind of makes this a tough fight for me. And I think, again, Bogotov is kind of coming in here as the prospect that's looking to pick off the savvy vet in Santos. So I could see that playing out and happening. I think if it hits the scorecards, like I said, Bogotov has a legit shot. But Santos could end things before it hits the cards. So this is a big step up in competition for Bogotov. He might be ready for it. Again, I'm not really confident in this spot because of the inconsistency of Santos. But I am going to pick Santos to win because I do think he's a better fighter. I think he's a better striker overall. I think he's obviously the better BJJ practitioner. I think he, you know, obviously could give Bogotov trouble anywhere the fight takes place. But I just don't trust him all the way. You know, again, he's aging. He's 40 years old and uh, everything that I just said. You know, I have a little bit of fear in uh, betting Santos for sure. So I wouldn't bet him at the betting window laying that chalk. I can understand why people are coming in on uh, Bogotov. So that being said, I'm going to pick Santos to win. Let's see how this one plays out. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, Santos is pushing 40. He actually is 40. He turned 40 back in February. So that's obviously the big concern here. Um, that being said, you know, Santos hasn't lost in over a decade Literally, his last loss was in 2009. My main issue, besides, you know, him being 40, though, is that he's just been inconsistent with getting fights. I mean, uh, his last fight against Stevie Ray was his first fight since 2016. So, you know, as talented as Santos is, he just cannot get, you know, consistent fights and be active. Um, I mean, honestly, this actually is one of his quicker turnarounds in recent memory because uh, he hasn't fought in about 13 months. So uh, that's actually kind of good for him. Uh, that being said, you know, his last fight, he showed zero signs of rust because Stevie Ray's no joke. I mean, this guy is a talented fighter and Santos made quick work of him, just obliterating him in a, two minutes and 17 seconds. Um, so... I, I mean, if he showed no rust after three years away from the cage, I think 13 months away from the cage is nothing for him. Um, and, you know, obviously, at, if it showed no rust at 39 years old, I think at 40 years old, he should be fine as well. So I like Santos here. Um, I mean, this guy is a beast. He's tremendous on the feet. He's shown power on the feet. And obviously, his ground game is elite. Uh, I mean, on the canvas, he has... Some strong um, submission victories over the likes of, you know, William Macario. He beat uh, Tony Martin by choking him out in the second round. And, you know, and we know Martin has a really good ground game as well. So um, if this does go to the floor, which it probably will, because, uh, you know, the Russian here is a very, very strong wrestler. Uh, Bogatov, I expect to be looking to take the fight to the floor. Um so I think Santos should be able to get a submission if it goes there. 
Uh, and on the feet, I mean, Santos is going to be lighting Bogatov up. I mean, Bogatov is not a very good striker. I mean, this guy is a, you know, one of the more one-dimensional Russians that we've seen come to the UFC in a while. Uh, so, uh, realistically, the only path to victory for Bogatov is if his submission defense is on point. I mean, it needs to be absolutely on point, and he's able to take Santos down repeatedly while avoiding submissions or sweeps or anything. And I just think that that's, you know, asking a lot because... Santos has faced really good wrestlers before, and he beat them convincingly. I mean, Kevin Lee knocked him out. Granted, that was on the feet, uh, and Lee didn't really shoot for a lot of takedowns in that fight. Beat Efrain Escudero. So, I mean, this guy does have a history of good performances against wrestlers. So, uh, I expect that Santos gets the job done here. I think he can submit him. I think he could knock him out. I think he can win a decision. Uh, but again... A uh, big concern here is takedowns and if uh, Bogatov can keep taking him down without putting himself in peril. And I just think that, you know, again, that's asking too much. So my pick is going to be Santos. Now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Makwan Amirakani, who is 15-4, and four, taking on Danny Henry, who is 12-3. Now, Nick... What's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Americani open minus 155, Henry plus 115. And right now what we're seeing over at Cirque Sports is Americani minus 195. The comeback on Henry at plus 170. So more action coming in Americani's way. I understand it. I mean, the guy's a stud, especially on the ground. He's getting better. Another one of these guys that's taking his game to another level. I know he's coming off that disappointing loss to Burgos, but I mean, Burgos, uh, as we saw in the Emmett fight, even though he lost that fight, he's at the top of the food chain. I, I mean, when it comes to the featherweight division. So that's not necessarily a bad loss for Americani. I just think it might have been a little bit too much too soon for him. But Americani, where it's at with him, is obviously the ground game. I mean, his wrestling's top notch. He's got great submissions, underrated submission skill, to be honest with you. I mean, if you look at that submission win over Fishgold, that was a thing of beauty. I mean, this guy has that kind of capability to get the fight done like that. So I, I, there's a lot to like about Americani, and he's constantly improving the rest of his game. He does tend to slow down a little bit as the fight progresses, though. I mean, that is definitely a concern if you're backing Americani. And if Henry can survive that early onslaught and kind of keep this this fight where he wants it. Uh, I mean, I think this can kind of turn around really quick for him and Henry could have a shot late as the fight progresses, but it's going to be a tough fight for Henry. So Henry's very good though. I think he's the better overall fighter. I think he's more developed in every aspect of the game. Obviously the wrestling edge. And again, the pure submissions, I understand go to Mirakani, but I'm just saying he's probably a little bit more of the well-rounded fighter at this point. Henry is, um, he's got submissions of his own, right? I mean, his wrestling, I don't think is up to par with Americani and I think Americani can submit Henry, but I think overall on the feet, Henry's a little bit more uh, developed at this point. He's farther along. I think he could do some damage and possibly hurt Americani on the feet as well. He's a little slow at times. I'd, I'd like that speed to pick up a little bit and, and Henry to get a little bit sharper, but, um, and he's a little bit hittable, but I just think stylistically he could do some damage along the way. And again, if he could survive that early onslaught against Americani, I think he could definitely find success later on in this fight. So it's going to be interesting. If Americani gets it done, it's probably fairly early. Um, if Henry wins this fight, it's probably because he steals it on the scorecards or maybe he gets it done late. So interesting spot for sure. Maybe a little bit too much confidence out there from the betters on Americani. I understand it, though. I'm picking him to win this fight as well. I think he probably does get it done, and he probably gets it done by submission. So I'll go that way. But where the betting line is now in comparison to the opener, 
I would not lay it. So I'm, I'm personally going to stay away from this one as well. I don't think there's any value left in it. Um, those of you guys that hopped on that minus 155, I take my hat off to you a little bit. I think there was a little bit of value there, but as it gets closer to minus 200, the value is kind of out the window. So my pick is Amir Khani. I just hope it's a good fight, and I do have a lot of respect for Henry as well. I definitely gained a lot of respect for Henry after those first two UFC wins, but you know, in my opinion, he got exposed in the fight against Ige. Um, you know, Henry is very dangerous on the feet. He's got a lot of power. He's durable. Um, and you know, if for some reason, if Amir Khani slows down or is not able to take him out quick, like I think he can, then obviously Henry can definitely win and can finish Amir Khani. I mean, we saw Amir Khani gas against Shane Burgos and then just get absolutely obliterated, uh, late in that fight. So, um, the, the path to victory is here for Danny Henry. He can either knock Amir Khani out quick on the feet or survive, not get finished on the ground and take Amir Khani out as he slows down. The problem is Dan Ige, you know, kind of laid out the game plan on the blueprint for defeating Danny Henry. I mean, Ige immediately took the fight to the floor, uh, dominated him on the canvas, and then choked him out, uh, tapped him out in 67 seconds. And I think, you know, Amir Khani is just as good of a wrestler as Ige, if not better, and his submission game is better than Ige's. I mean, he is an aggressive submission specialist, uh, or at least an aggressive uh, at getting submissions on the canvas. Uh, very strong chokes. So... I just feel like if Danny Henry doesn't clip him coming in, Amir Khani is just going to blitz him here and take him to the canvas aggressively and then look for the choke. And I just don't see Danny Henry surviving it because I don't think his ground skills are good enough. Uh, he had uh, a great start to his UFC career because he survived an early onslaught from a striker and then took him out. Uh, and then also against another striker, landed a big shot against Duwadu. But against ground fighters with good wrestling, I just don't think that, you know, the rest of his skills, that he's well-rounded enough to keep up. Um, I think Ige exposed that, and I think Amir Khani can follow the exact same blueprint. Uh, Henry's best opportunity here is to catch Amir Khani coming in with a knee or an uppercut or something. But if that doesn't happen... I think uh, Amir Khani wins by first-round submission. So my pick is going to be Amir Khani. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, who is 22-6, taking on Muslim Salikov, who is 16-2. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Salikov opened minus 190. The comeback on Zaleski Dos Santos at plus 165. And right now over at Circus Sports, we are seeing a completely different line. I mean, right now it's Salikov minus 135. The comeback on Dos Santos at plus 115. And it was actually tighter than that at one point. It was about a pick em. So right now we're seeing a little bit more action towards Salikov. But early on, it was all Dos Santos money. And I understand it, man. I mean, Zaleski Dos Santos has been phenomenal overall in his UFC career. This guy's legit, and this should be a striker versus striker matchup. I said should be, on paper at least, but it's not going to be. I mean, there's two clear paths to victory for me. I know Dos Santos is definitely a very good striker. Um, he throws some flashy techniques. He's very effective with his striking skill. I mean, he's looked good in that aspect of things. But make no mistake, in this fight here, 
ground is the path to victory for him. I mean, he showed us a little bit of his ground game in the past uh, thus far in the UFC, and he needs to do it again if he's going to win this fight. I don't think he wants to stand and bang with Solikov. I think the opening line was a bit high, obviously, but Solikov should be the rightful favorite in this fight the more you look at it. I mean, Solikov is definitely the more dynamic, more explosive fighter. I think he's got a better chin overall as well, and his takedown defense is getting to the point where he should be able to keep this fight upright, and if he does... He will beat Dos Santos. So that's his path to victory is, is kind of outstriking Dos Santos and putting him out. I think he's more than capable of doing that. But the fear in this fight, obviously, if Dos Santos wins, it's probably going to be by submission. I mean, he's, I think, no slouch on the ground. Like I said, I think he knows that that's a blueprint here against Solikov. But can he kind of get away with doing that? Can he approach this game plan and, and work it effectively? I don't think so. I think Solikov is honestly the side here. And um, that's why we're seeing a little bit of action come back in Solikov's way. And I think he probably gets it done. So the more I like Solikov to win this fight, the more I think about it, the more I go through it, the more I like him, really. So I do think Solikov gets the win here and probably in highlight real fashion over Dos Santos, despite me having a ton of respect again for Dos Santos. I think he's a great fighter. I just think stylistically it's a tough fight for him. So my pick is Solikov. And honestly, at the betting window, it's a favorite or pass situation. It's not a dog or pass situation. So I still think at minus 135, there's minus 130s on the Don Best screen out there as well. Might be a little bit of value left to Solikov, but just be careful because, again, if he loses this fight, it's probably on the ground. But my pick is Solikov. Yeah, this is a, you know, stand-up wise, this is a very exciting fight. I mean, mainly because both guys are known for not just throwing spinning attacks, but that they land and finish fights with them. Um Solikov came into the UFC on the heels of multiple spinning back kick and spinning heel kick knockouts and Seleski has scored spinning uh knockouts in the, in the UFC. So, you know, these guys are both extremely talented strikers. I mean, Salikov came into the UFC on an 11 fight win streak, almost all of them quick knockouts. Uh, but the hype got derailed. You know, he took on Alex Garcia. Garcia, you know, used his wrestling, took him down, choked him out. So in the second round, so, you know, that, you know, hype train got derailed, but he's been slowly building it back. You know, he got a knockout win over Ricky Rainey. Then he got another knockout win over Nordin Taleb. And then most recently he uh, was able to defeat uh, Staropoli. So he's on a three fight win streak. He's got some momentum again and they're throwing him in there, you know, to really see what he's capable of because uh, Zaleski is no joke. I mean, this guy has fought some really talented fighters over the course of his career, was on a big win streak, uh, before he lost to, uh, Lu, uh, Lu. So, Lee. So, I think this is going to be a really fun fight. I mean, on the feet, I favor Salikov, even though Zaleski has scored a, a ton of really impressive victories on the feet inside the, the UFC. He's more of a, you know, jack of all trades guy that has a really good ground game and a good stand up game, and he uses whatever he has that is better than his opponent. So, you know, against good ground fighters, Zaleski keeps it on the feet, and knocks them out. Uh, against really good strikers, he typically tries to take it to the floor. You saw that against, uh, Millinder. He was just dominated Millinder on the canvas. Uh, and his last fight against Konchenko, um, you know, that was a close fight. And on the feet, I think Konchenko was holding his own, and Zaleski uh, grabbed a few takedowns. Uh, that kind of helped him get a, a close decision that could have gone either way. So in this fight, 
Uh, I think Salikov is going to be the better striker. He's more technical. I think he hits harder. I think he's got the better chin. So if this stays standing, I definitely favor Salikov. But if Zaleski can get it to the floor, his ground game is good enough that he could not just win a decision with uh, wrestling, he could finish Salikov like uh, Garcia was able to do. Now, I think Salikov's Ground game has come a long way, especially defensively with his wrestling. So I don't think it's going to be easy, but it's definitely possible, especially, you know, during crazy spinning attacks that these guys like to throw that could leave an opening for Zaleski to get this to the floor. But uh, all in all, I think Salikov ha- is the fighter with momentum. I think Zaleski was exposed a little bit in his fight against uh, the Leech. Um, that he wasn't able to, uh, you know, win a stand-up fight against a decent stand-up fighter. And, uh, he wasn't able to get it to the floor either, uh, against somebody that had decent enough, uh, defensive wrestling. So if Salikov can keep the standing, I think that he can win relatively convincingly. So my pick is Salikov, but I am nervous about the takedowns. Now moving on to the main event of the preliminary card in the light heavyweight division. We have Vulcan Ozdemir, who is 17 and 4, taking on Jiri Prochatska, who is 26, 3 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Ozdemir open minus 150 to come back on Prochatska at plus 130. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is currently Ozdemir minus 155 that come back on Prohaska at plus 135. This line did climb up a little bit more. It was about 165 or so. Now it's coming back down. So there is two-way action on this fight as well. A lot of people are buying into the hype with Prohaska. I mean, this guy is obviously a very established fighter outside of the UFC and, you know, risen. I mean, the guy has definitely accomplished a lot. I mean, he's put himself on the map and he's getting this opportunity. So it's almost like a battle of the proven solid commodity at light heavyweight with Ozdemir taking on the guy that's coming in to kind of shake things up and, and make a name for himself in Prohaska and try to prove that he belongs in this uh, weight class and on the roster. He does definitely belong on the roster. There's no doubt about that. Obviously, I think Prohaska is a very talented fighter. He's got a really good stand up game, unorthodox. Man, I mean, the guy's movement, he's light on his feet, um, he, he's fast, he's, uh, he's effective with his striking. But the problem with me is, I mean, if you look a little bit closer at the competition level, I mean, it, there's some pretty good wins on his resume. If you look at, again, mainly in Risen as of late, uh, former Bellator vet, Brandon Halsley, um, King Mo, uh, Fabio Maldonado, a former UFC veteran, obviously, CB Dalloway, another former UFC uh, veteran as well. But one thing they all have a common, in common, in my opinion, is they're all past it. I mean, these guys are all a shell of themselves. They're not in their primes. I mean, so he's beating a bunch of declined, savvy veterans with decent names and he's facing a guy that's really I want to say probably in the prime of his career and Ozdemir here he's faced high level competition much better competition throughout his UFC career has been in there obviously and hung in there with quality competition and has done very well I mean Ozdemir is at the top of the food chain when it comes to the light heavyweight division I mean so this is a big step up for Prohaska to come in here and kind of shake things up I think 
He's vulnerable on the feet. I think Ozdemir hits a lot harder than what he's used to overall. I think he's a very smart fighter. He's more durable than all the fighters that he's faced lately as well. So this is a big step up, and I think he's biting off a little bit more than he could chew with Ozdemir as well. So I do think that Ozdemir could come in here, be effective. I think he could probably knock Prohaska out. So I'm, I think it's a favorite or pass situation. I get the hype behind Prohaska, and I, I think a lot of people are kind of leaning his way. There's a lot of action continuing to come in his way. There's going to be some sharp action that come in um, on Prohaska as well. I, I understand it. And, I mean, he is going to have the speed advantage. Both these guys hit extremely hard. So we could see a knockout either way. There's no doubt about that. But I just think the more reliable fighter to me and the more proven fighter at this point is Ozdemir. I mean, he's just simply better. So I'm going to go with a better fighter. I'm going to know that I'm going to go with the person that I could trust has faced the higher echelon of competition in their, like I said, in their kind of career, career primes. And I believe Ozdemir is just simply the better fighter Ozdemir is. So I like Ozdemir to get this done probably by knockout along the way. Um, if there's one suspect thing, again, about Prohaska, I, I do believe that his chin and his defense is a little bit suspect. So I think Ozdemir can kind of exploit that. So a lot to like about Ozdemir. I think this will be an exciting fight. Make no mistake about that. But I think Ozdemir's probably the right side. So my pick is Ozdemir to probably knock Prohaska out in his UFC debut. This is one of the more hyped UFC debuts we've had in a long time. I mean, it is not common that someone makes their debut in the UFC at such a high level. Because, I mean, Ozdemir is, you know, top 10, if not top 5 in the light heavyweight division. And uh, Prohaska is coming in here against him. I mean, that's just so rare that someone is given that high profile of a fight for their debut. Uh, Prohaska is super talented. I think he's won 19 of his last 20 fights uh, with the only loss against King Mo later being avenged. So, you know, this guy is crazy talented. He pushes a tremendous pace. He has an endless gas tank. He's a high volume striker, a dangerous striker has some good power. Um, so this is, you know, no joke. You know, that being said, you know, Vulcan Ozdemir is so good. Uh, I mean, you go back to even some of his losses. Um, you know, the Dominic Reyes loss, uh, that was a split decision. And you could argue that he won that fight. And you saw what Reyes was able to do against uh, John Jones, you know, arguably defeating him. So, you know, this is a super talented guy. Uh, and then obviously, um, Ozdemir has bounced back since, uh, his little tough stretch from his title loss. Um, you know, he's on a two fight win streak here. He's beat two really good guys in Latifi and Rakich. And, you know, he's got some momentum again. And to, to be taking on someone who's making their UFC debut, no matter how hyped they are, uh, you know, that's asking a lot. Um, I think overall, uh, Ozdemir is probably the more technical striker. I think he counters better. I think that even though, uh, Prohaska is an aggressive volume based striker, um, you know, the fact that he throws a lot, as long as Ozdemir, you know, can, it's, uh, stay composed. I think that there's going to be openings for some big counters here. And as we've seen, uh, even though it is his one loss out of his last 20 fights, uh, Prohaska can be knocked out. So, uh, I can see Ozdemir landing that big shot, uh, if Prohaska is going to be using that high volume aggressive attack that has worked so well for him so far. 
Uh, my other issue with Prochaska is even though he is on a nice run and he has a lot of wins over UFC guys, they are UFC guys after their UFC run. Uh, guys that the UFC didn't typically want anymore. So, um, I think that that actually, you know, it makes Prochaska's record look better than potentially it is. Um, so again, this is a really high profile fight. I think Prochaska is good enough to be a top 15 light heavyweight right now, but you know, it's asking a lot for, to, to throw him in there against a guy that's good enough to almost fight for the belt. So I think that this is a little bit too much too soon for Prochaska, but perhaps he rises to the occasion, but I think Ozdemir, uh, can win a decision here. I think Ozdemir can knock him out here. Uh, I'm a little concerned that Prochaska overwhelms him with this high volume aggression, but uh, I'm going to side with uh, the UFC veteran here against the debuter. So Ozdemir will be my pick. Now, moving on to the main card in the flyweight division, we have Paige Van Zant, who is eight and four, taking on Amanda Ribas, who is nine and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far? Rebus open minus 450, the comeback on Van Zandt at plus 350. That 450 is long gone. What we're seeing right now at Circa Sports is currently Rebus minus 800, the comeback on Van Zandt at plus 585. Rightfully so. I mean, as crazy as that sounds. Look, I have a ton of respect for Paige Van Zandt. I think she's a lot better than people give her credit for as a fighter overall. I mean, she's well-rounded. She's tough. She's durable. I mean, she has no quit in her. Overall, I mean, she's a lot more talented than everybody thinks. I know, again, Dancing with the Stars, the swimsuit um, addition that she did, all that stuff, I get it. I mean, she's kind of more of a model in most people's eyes than she is a fighter. But make no mistake, she's a fighter, man. I mean, she's definitely tough, like I said. She's talented. She's solid. But on the other side of it, Rebus is just a difficult matchup for her because I don't think there's an area that Van Zandt's better than her at. I mean, I think Rebus is the better striker. She's aggressive. I think obviously she has a much better ground game. Rebus is world-class on the ground. Um, I think she's got the better takedown game overall as well. So I don't see an area where Van Zandt can really win this fight. That's what makes it very difficult for Van Zandt here. And that's why you're seeing the betting public not hesitate on that minus 450 line and turn it into an 800, a huge favorite here for Rebus. I mean, it's just stylistically a nightmare matchup for Van Zandt. So this is also her last fight on her UFC contract, which is interesting because obviously um, her boyfriend is a Bellator fighter. So I could realistically see Van Zandt kind of riding off into the sunset and heading over to, to Bellator and leaving the UFC after this fight. So um, I think this is kind of the UFC's way of kind of saying goodbye to her, so to speak, and putting her out on a loss. I mean, it just makes a lot of sense to me, giving feeding her to the wolves, so to speak. I mean, if she's going to leave the company on her last fight, I don't know. I mean, again, that's just my assumption and my thinking here. I mean, Rebus is just such a nightmare matchup for her. I think that she does win this fight, and, and Van Zant loses her uh, last fight under her contract. She probably ends up signing with Bellator again. I don't know what the future holds for Van Zant. That's just my opinion. But I think that's kind of how I see this whole thing playing out. So Rebus, I think, more than likely gets this done by submission along the way. She gets it to the floor at some point, and she ends up finding Van Zandt's back or an arm or something like that and, and gets it done. So I do think Rebus wins. If she doesn't submit her, she does not finish her, she probably wins on the scorecard. So anywhere this fight takes place, Rebus should win. I think Van Zandt will have her moments. I mean, she's not going to be a total dud. She's going to come in here and fight. Uh, she's going to come in here. She's always game, like I said. So I expect some really solid moments from her in this fight. 
but overall, it's going to be, I think, fairly lopsided, and Rebus should get the W here. So my pick is Rebus. I won't get more into it than that. I think she just is a nightmare matchup for Van Sant. Yeah, Amanda Rebus is crazy talented, uh, as we've seen so far in her UFC run. Um, you know, she beat Emily Whitmire pretty easily, but then what really stood out to people was her performance against Mackenzie Dern. I mean, Dern had a lot of hype and she's still a really talented fighter as evidenced by uh, her last fight, but, uh, Rebus just obliterated her over the course of three rounds, not just uh, on the feet where she was able to utilize excellent uh striking technique, spacing, uh just picking Mackenzie Dern apart on the feet and avoiding the big power shots. Uh, she actually held her own on the ground against and a tremendous grappler as well. So, I mean, Rebus has the ground game. She has the striking. Uh she, I mean, she is the complete package. I think that she's uh, a title contender at 115, seriously. Um, and... Obviously, uh, she looked really strong against Randa Marcos as well. So, uh, to be honest, I think this might be the easiest fight she's had in the UFC so far. Uh, with, uh, Paige Van Zandt, while she is talented, um, and she has a ton of heart, um, she just does not have the striking skills of Rebus. She doesn't have the ground skills of Re- of Rebus. Uh, her wrestling isn't at that elite level. She relies a lot more on throws to get fights to the floor than shooting in for single legs or anything, uh, which I just don't see Rebus even allowing her to close the distance. Um, and Rebus can go the distance. You know, Paige is one of her biggest strengths is her heart. Uh, she can be, she can just wear people down. And even, you know, if somebody starts strong against her, like, uh, Felice Herrig probably, uh, Van Zandt's best win of her career, you know, she lost the first round and then came back and dominated Herrig as Herrig started to slow. I just don't see that happening here either. Um, there's really pretty much no path to victory except a fluke, like, head kick knockout, like what happened against uh, Ben Rawlings. Uh, you know, Van Zandt has added a little bit of a flash to her striking game. You know, she's definitely not as good of a striker as Rebus, but she can throw in, you know, she's got that jumping switch kick. She's got some you know, unique striking attacks that perhaps could do something, but I just think Rebus is too talented to, to get caught by something like that. So, I mean, I just see Rebus dominating this fight. I, I don't know if she'll get a finish, uh, but Paige has been uh, put in some pretty bad spots by some really talented grapplers before, so if this goes to the floor, I do think Rebus finishes it. Um, so, uh, you also have to factor in that Paige has had a really serious issue with uh, her arm. She just repeatedly keeps breaking her arm in training and in fights. Um, and that could happen in this fight as well. You know, that, that arm is compromised. Um, so I'm a little concerned about that too. Even if Paige does do something, you know, that arm could hold her back. So a uh, really tough fight for Paige. I just think Rebus sink easily walks away with at least a decision here. So. Uh, Rebus is my pick. Now, dropping down to the strawweight division, we have Jessica Andraj, who is 20 and 7, taking on Rose Namajunas, who is 8 and 4. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Namajunas open minus 170, Andraj plus 145. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, minus 190 on Namajunas, the comeback on Andraj at plus 165. 
So more action coming in early on on Amayunis. As we get closer to fight time, we are seeing some more action coming in on Andrade as well. So another two-way type of action fight here. And I think Andrade will continue to get bets. I think a lot of sharp action is going to come in both ways on this fight, but maybe a little bit more towards Andrade. I know... Adraj won the first fight after a very rough first round. I mean, uh, Nama Yunus was picking her apart, but that slam in the second round was just so vicious. And that's her path to victory again. Not necessarily that slam, but the ground and kind of utilizing that, you know, ground edges she has in the uh, takedown game. And that's what she wants to do here, especially after getting picked apart on the feet the first fight. She realizes that I think the, her path to victory clearly on the ground, that's where she's going to have her biggest edge. But obviously, Nama Yunus, she's game everywhere the fight takes place. She has a great submission game as well. She has those kind of Kimura sweeps that kind of bring her back to her feet at least. I know, uh, again, both of these ladies are going to make adjustments, so we'll see how this fight plays out. And I can understand, again, the two-way action coming into this fight. I personally like Nama Yunus. I think she's just clearly the better fighter everywhere the fight takes place, minus the pure strength edge. And obviously, the wrestling has to go to Andrade a little bit there. Um, but my concern with Nama Yunus is a little bit of the mental game. I mean, she's had some time off, you know, and, and it just with her personal life and her family situation, everything with COVID. I mean, we're just not sure where she's at right now mentally and how focused she is on this fight. And if she's not focused, she could obviously lose this fight. So that's my hesitation on Nama Yunus in this spot. I think she's again, clearly the better fighter. She's going to win this fight on the feet. She, I'm, I wouldn't even be surprised if she catches uh, Andrade on the ground with a submission. I mean, Andrade has been caught before. I know her submission defense has gotten a lot better, but it's always possible. So I do like Rose here again, much better fighter overall. I'm going to pick her to win this fight. But at the betting window, it is tough for me to almost lay minus 200 on this. I think I understand it could be a dog or pass situation here. And I think Andrade may be underestimated a little bit. But I do have to say that what we've seen from Andrade lately, I'm not really liking either. I mean, defensively, she's been a nightmare to, to watch. I mean, she's getting hit a lot, not just by Rose. Obviously, Zhang lit her up quickly and got her out of there. I know that Zhang and the power that she possesses. So I get it's not necessarily a bad loss. I'm just saying defensively, she's very hittable. And, I mean, we're going to see Rose kind of pick her apart again here the longer stays on the feet. So I don't like that about Andrade, but I do think she's very game. She is a tough fighter. And, again, the power that she possesses is, is something special for sure. And she's hungry to kind of get back to the top of the food chain. I mean, she was a champion. Both of these ladies, obviously, former champions for a reason, both quality. But I'm going to pick Rose. I think uh, Nami Yunus does probably get this done. Um, maybe on the scorecards, obviously, but I could see it kind of playing out inside the distance as well. So we'll see how it plays out. But my pick is Nama Yunus. Yeah, we all know how the last fight between these two ended. Uh, Rose was doing amazing. She was, you know, just obliterating Andrade in the first round. But then in the second round, she did start to slow down. Andrade closed the distance in the clinch, slammed her, knocked her out. Uh, very late in the second round. So that kind of is the path here for Andrade is to kind of take over if Rose starts to slow down. Because when Rose is uh, fresh and early in this fight, I don't see Andrade even having the closest chance. Um, Rose was so much better than Andrade on the feet. Um, I mean, it wasn't even funny. Uh, she was just picking Andrade apart in the stand-up. And I think that that will continue to happen. I mean, Rose is a very good striker now. I would say one of the best strikers in the, the women's strawweight division. I mean, she, she's beat, uh, Joanna twice on the feet. So, uh, realistically, I think the only person that can stand with Rose is probably Zhang. So, 
Uh, you know, and that's a fight that I'm excited to see down the road too, especially if uh, Rose is victorious here. Um, and Andrade, you have to be a little concerned about her chin. Uh, you know, she's been hurt before and uh, obviously Rose was lighting her up. Um, and then Zhang took her out quick. Um, and Rose does have some pop now in her strikes. So if she sits down on something and catches Andrade as she's aggressively moving forward like she likes to do, um, I can definitely see Rose finishing this quick. Um, that being said, uh, if Rose starts to slow down again like she did last time, Andrade has a path here where not just a slam, but she could just start going to town with strikes if Rose's uh, defense starts to lapse if she slows down as well. Um, uh, on the ground, Andrade is aggressive with takedowns, but Rose has a very strong submission game. So realistically, I think the only way that that helps Andrade is, again, if she slams her and knocks her out again. But, you know, just can she do that twice? I mean, that felt a little fluky last time. So I'm going to side with Rose, but as Nick said, there are a few factors here that you have to be a little concerned about. So, uh, and I am a little concerned about Rose slowing down. You know, she, she has obviously gone the five round distance with Joanna, but she slowed down the last time against Andrade and this is her first fight back since then. So, um, I'm a little concerned, but I still think that, uh, Rose can potentially win early with a, a knockout. So I'm going to side with Rose. Now, moving up to the UFC bantamweight division, we have a fight for the vacant bantamweight title between Peter Yan, who is 14 and 1, and Jose Aldo, who is 28 and 6. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Jan opened minus 240, the comeback on Aldo at plus 205. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, minus 220 for Jan, the comeback on Aldo at plus 190. So another spot where line margins have tightened up a little bit, two-way actually coming into this fight. Uh, Jan got bet up a little bit for a while, and then now we're seeing it drop back down with Aldo getting a little bit more action. And I expect that trend to continue a little bit. I mean, it's Jose Aldo for crying out loud. Um, the former featherweight kingpin. I mean, he was at the top of the food chain in the featherweight division for a long time. People thought he was invincible. Obviously, Holloway came along and, and just kind of derailed all that. But that being said, you have to respect what Aldo accomplished. Of course, Conor McGregor is the one that took his title. I understand that. But I'm just saying Holloway kind of almost took that goat of the featherweight division title away from Aldo. But Aldo's right there. So you're getting a quality former champion stepping down to the bantamweight division. And really a lot of us were expecting him to have weight issues, like cutting, you know, to the 135 from 145. It was kind of difficult for him to make weight back then, but he looked great at 135 in his debut against Marace. That's why he's getting this title shot. The judges got it wrong. He should have beat Marace on the scorecards. I, I understand that it was a very competitive fight, so it wasn't, you know, a horrible, horrible decision. But that being said, most people thought that Aldo won that fight and hats off to the UFC for throwing him into this title fight, because I think a lot of people do like um, him in this spot as far as, you know, seeing Jan get really tested by a savvy vet like Aldo. And unfortunately for Aldo though, it is a, a five round fight. Jan is just going to have more of a chance to kind of extend this fight out a little bit and really start making this fight more clear as the fight progresses a little bit. Aldo, typically speaking, does tend to slow down as the fight progresses a little bit. I mean, his cardio has been pretty solid off and on overall, but 
I still think at this point of his career, Jan is kind of the fresher, younger, a uh, younger, sorry, hungry fighter. Um, and he's kind of looking to prove a point here. And he's been the one that has all the hype. He's the, the future of the Bantamweight division. We've seen that for a long time. That was supposed to be Jan's role. And now he's getting a shot to prove that Jan is a very, uh, well accomplished overall fighter. I mean, he's got the skill set in every aspect of the game as well. This fight will probably stay up on the feet. I mean, Aldo has great takedown defense. Um, he doesn't wrestle enough as he should. Aldo actually has some pretty good offensive wrestling. He just doesn't use it as much as, like I said, he's capable of. But um, Jan, on the other hand, will have difficulties taking this fight to the floor if he's trying to get Aldo down. So this fight will play out on the feet, and it'll be back and forth. I think Jan's a little bit faster. I think both of these guys are going to be effective. And early on, this fight's going to kind of be back and forth. I think we're going to see both gentlemen have success. But as, as again, as we get in the later rounds, as we start getting even in round two, round three, I think we're going to see Jan start to pull away a little bit. So at the betting window, another difficult one. I mean, I would not recommend laying Jan in this spot like crazy. I mean, laying a minus 200 in a competitive type of bout or above is kind of difficult in this spot. I mean, we got to give Aldo some respect. Um, again, he looked good in his Bantamweight debut um, against a very excellent Bantamweight in race. So I, I like what I saw there. But overall, I think – Jan's just going to push a relentless pace, and he's going to make it clear as the fight progresses. So it's hard for me not to pick Jan. I think he's legit. I think he's worthy of being the bantamweight champion. So I like what I've seen. I mean, he's been in there with some really good competition as of late, and he's looked really good defeating that competition. So it's really Jan's time to win, and I think he's capable of doing that. So I'm going to pick Jan to win, but just be careful if you're betting this fight. And I'm going to go with Jan as well. Um, you know, this guy is so talented and he has shown, uh, a really good resolve so far in his UFC career. Um, you know, this was a guy that I immediately ranked in my top 15 after his UFC debut when he beat, uh, Ishihara back in 2018. And he has not let me down so far, uh, getting quality wins over, uh, Douglas Andrade, uh, John Dodson, then, uh, you know, a tough win over Jimmy Rivera, and then most recently just crushing Uriah Faber after Faber came out of retirement. Uh, so, you know, Giannis looked good. He's got quality wins over good fighters. He's 27. He's in his athletic prime. Uh, and this is a guy that I expected to be fighting for a title around this time in his career. So, uh, you know, in a loaded bantamweight division, you know, this is still a tough test for him though, because Jose Aldo is no joke. You know, I think a lot of people were kind of writing Aldo off after the back-to-back -back losses to Max Holloway that he got stopped, but he bounced back in a big way and he, uh, was able to get good wins over Jeremy Stevens and Moicano, you know, stoppage wins. He looked ferocious in those fights. But then again, you know, he has lost two in a row since. He he lost to Volkanovski, who's now the champ, um, that decided to drop down to Bantamweight, and then lost a split decision to Marlon Moraes. So um, he looked good in the Moraes fight, though. I thought that he – I think if he had shown up a little bit more aggressive, he could have won that fight. Um, so that's the thing that I'm a little concerned about is, you know, Jan cannot take this lightly. I mean, he needs to come in with his absolute A game because, you know, he had a bit of a tough time with Jimmy Rivera. And if he had a tough time with Jimmy Rivera, I could see him having a tough time against Aldo. I could see Aldo winning this fight. You know, Aldo obviously has tremendous leg kicks. He's still got power on the feet. He's fast. He's a when he decides to be aggressive, I mean, he can be absolutely terrifying. 
Um, so this is a tough fight for Jan. Um, now Aldo also can be worn down, you know, in a five round fight, we've seen it now against Holloway multiple times that Aldo can uh, fade if you really push him. And I think that that wouldn't be a bad strategy here for Jan. You know, I don't want him to be over-aggressive and leave huge openings for Aldo to exploit. But if he pushes a high tempo, I'm not sure Aldo's going to be able to keep up, especially having to make such a tough cut to Bantamweight. I mean, this is a guy that used to have, you know, have nightmare cuts just to 145. So um, I, I can see Aldo fading down the stretch absolutely. So I'm going to side with Jan, but you cannot underestimate Jose Aldo at any point. And I think people really are because of uh, the two-fight losing streak, you know, saying he doesn't deserve this. And he probably doesn't. It should have been Marais. But, you know, this is still a crazy good fight, and I'm excited to see it. And I think Jan's going to get the better of Aldo. But, you know, I would not be shocked in the slightest if Aldo walks away as, the, as a Bantamweight champ. But my pick will be Jan. Now, moving on to the co-main event, we have a featherweight title bout between champion Alexander Volkanovsky, who is 21-1, rematching Max Holloway, who is 21-5. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one? Volkanovsky opened minus 210, the comeback on Holloway at plus 170. And right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, minus 210, Volkanovski, plus 180. So line margins have tightened up a little bit. And we are seeing a little bit more action on Holloway as far as the straight bets go. I mean, the ticket count's definitely in favor of Holloway overall. Um, the line kind of steamed up a little bit after the news of Holloway's camp not being that great. I mean, he was honest about it and upfront saying that he basically didn't have time with his coaches, a unique situation, um, training kind of on his own or whatnot. So, I mean, whether you, you want to take that information for what it's worth or not, you have to clearly respect, I guess, Holloway's transparency here with that. And I think it will have a little bit of an impact. I mean, again, he's a veteran of the sport. He's been around for a long time. I mean, training camps are like second nature to him at this point, especially the championship caliber fighter that he is. But that being said, if, if you're not, I mean, you're coming off a loss to this guy that you're fighting. Volkanovsky took your title from you. I think that it's probably better being with your coaches in person and trying to game plan and trying to get to kind of strategize for um, the redemption fight here in this spot. So I don't like it. You know, I mean, again, I'm not going to play too much into it, but I, I really don't like it. Holloway's always showed us that he's he shows up for fights. He's very game. His conditioning's always up to par. And in that last fight, I mean, I bet Volkanovski it was documented. Obviously, we gave it on a UFC on the line as well. Um, I took the dog money there, and it cashed in pretty decent for me. So I like Volkanovski, obviously, in the first fight, and I like him here to win again. But in that first fight, as we got to round four and round five, the, the tide started changing a little bit. Holloway started finding a little bit more success. He started making adjustments in that fight. And I think he can kind of learn from that a little bit. And if he could tweak those adjustments early on in this fight, this will be a very competitive fight, no doubt about that. But I think Volkanovski's got a different mindset right now as well. He's been stating that he wants to finish this fight. Again, fighters talk. I understand it. They say what they want. They try to intimidate their opponents. I get it. But I, I do think there's some truth and transparency in both of these guys. I think Volkanovski Volkanovski is going to come out here looking to end this fight a little bit uh, quicker, obviously, and not having to hit the scorecards. I mean, he's got the kind of power that he could definitely do some damage against Holloway. I mean, those leg kicks the first time around, holy crap, man, they were crazy. I mean, I, th I believe he threw like 75 leg kicks 
on Holloway, and they, they were very effective, obviously. So Holloway def- definitely needs to make adjustments in that regard. But outside of that, I mean, I think Volkanovski is a harder hitter here. I think he can obviously do some damage. I think Holloway is kind of maybe unfair to say, but he's not in his prime. I think he's kind of going to be taking a step back. Um, he's uh, I don't want to say he's on a decline, but I, I don't think he's kind of on the rise where Volkanovski again, now he's the champ. His confidence is at an all-time high. He's been kind of progressing in that direction for a while. So he's more so on the rise even though he got the strap already and where Holloway could be taking a step back, if that makes sense as well. So I do like Volkanovski here, but again, betting window is key. I got a dog price on Volkanovski the first time. I'm not getting a dog price on him the second time. I mean, I'm going to have to lay minus 210 for crying out loud. Am I willing to do that? I don't think so. I mean, this is going to be, if this if it hits the scorecards, it's going to be close. I mean, it'll definitely be a three to two type of fight. I, I, I could see that happening again. I mean, it, it's not going to be a blowout either way, unless obviously Volkanovsky does go in there and finish um, Holloway early on. Um, outside of that, if it hits the cards, it's going to be fairly competitive. So I'm not willing to lay I talk, especially with the state of MMA judging that I say all the time. So difficult at the betting window this time, easier the first time around getting him as a dog. No question. If this price was a lot better, I'd be pouncing all over Volkanovsky here as well. But Unfortunately, it's not. It's minus 210. So a tough spot at the betting window again. So my pick is Volkanovski. I think he can get it done on the scorecards. I think he could possibly get it done inside the distance before it hits the cards as well. Um, but at minus 210, I'm not willing to pay the price to find out. But my pick is Volkanovski to win. I know it sounds crazy to say a fighter might be past his prime at 28 years old. But, you know, Max Holloway was one of the youngest fighters to, to ever make their UFC debut. Um, and... Now, you know, after a tremendous run at featherweight, one of the best ever, you know, uh, besides Jose Aldo, um, he is, you know, having some trouble. Um, I think the, the, the jump up to lightweight to challenge Dustin Poirier did a lot of damage. Um, you know, he took a huge beating in that fight. I mean, just got the crap kicked out of him and we know how good Poirier is. And, uh, and then as we saw against Volkanovski when he lost his belt, you know, he just wasn't quite able to withstand the pressure that Volkanovski puts on, which is crazy because Holloway's the one that's typically known for being a high volume attacker that's constantly in the pocket, pressuring his opponent, wearing them down, overwhelming them. Um, you know, that's, that's been his go-to. I mean, he just repeatedly uh, took people out in the third round of fights. I mean, that was his, you know, what he was known for, uh, just wearing guys down and then just taking over when they couldn't keep up with them anymore. But Volkanovsky was able to, to hang right with him. And has Holloway made the adjustments to counter what Volkanovsky's going to be doing here? Because, I mean, Volkanovsky can just do the exact same thing. And I don't know if Holloway can adjust um, because that's just kind of been his style over the course of his career. And I think Volkanovsky probably has continued to evolve. You know, stand-up wasn't his biggest strength. He was always more of a, a wrestler, ground-and-pound fighter. And then he has added the striking to his game to where, you know, he won a stand-up fight against Jose Aldo and then takes the belt from Volkanovsky or from uh, Holloway. So, you know, this is, this guy's no joke. Um, and, while Holloway is still just 28 years old, I just don't know if he's getting better at this point. Um, you know, his, his chin is incredible, but I mean, he takes, a, he's been taking a lot of shots. Uh, you know, he, he ate some monster blows in that incredible, 
uh, Ortega performance when he, I think, landed the most strikes in UFC history. But then he got just crushed in the Poirier fight. I mean, he got rocked. He got hurt repeatedly. Um, and then in the Volkanovsky fight, again, just couldn't keep up with Volkanovsky, especially the first three rounds. Um, if there is a path to victory here for Holloway, I think it's going to be uh, if Volkanovsky slows down again. We saw him start to fade in uh, the championship rounds, but he had already put in the work and won the first three rounds. So he just had to not get finished and he didn't. Um, but if Holloway can somehow uh, weather the early storm and if Volkanovsky slows down again, and if somehow Holloway is able to actually turn it up a little bit more, there is a path to victory here, but I just don't see him withstanding the pressure of Volkanovsky again. So uh, I don't see this one getting finished, but uh, I think uh, Volkanovsky does the job again. Uh, I think it's a similar performance, and I think uh, Volkanovsky wins a decision. Now, moving on to the main event of the evening, we have a UFC welterweight title fight between champion Kamaro Usman, who is 16-1, and and challenger Jorge Masvidal, who is 35-13. and Now, Nick... Where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? The market opener was Usman minus 260, the comeback on Masvidal at plus 200. And right now, looking over at Circa Sports, I opened this fight at Circa minus 290, the comeback plus 245. Right now, it's minus 265 for Usman, the comeback on Masvidal at plus 225 as far as Circa Sports goes. So we did get two-way action in this fight early on, but now we're starting to see some heavier action coming in on Masvidal. It, it was one of those things. The ticket count was like 10 to 1 in favor of, of Masvidal, and it's kind of still trending in that direction. But now we're starting to see some larger bets come in on Masvidal as well, like I said. And some of the bigger action early on was on Usman. I mean, so it was one of those things that the overall public and – like more bets were coming in Masvidal's way, but the bigger money from some of the sharper bettors were coming in on Usman. But again, we're going to see two-sided sharp action on this fight. A lot of public is going to support Masvidal for sure. I mean, he's the one that's in the public eye getting quality wins as of late over Nate Diaz, obviously a knockout highlight reel. That's going to be in the history books over Ben Askren. Of course, his highlight win over till was incredible as well. So, I mean, Masvidal is just on an incredible role as far as getting him, him his publicity and his name out there. And, and he's earned it. He's been in this sport for such a long time. I'm happy for Masvidal to get this opportunity. I'm happy that he's finally going to get paid. Like he really should um, he's just been in the sport for so long. He deserves it. I mean, there's no question about it. And he is one of the most devastating and lethal and accurate and, and effective strikers that we have in the welterweight division. I mean, there's no question about that as well. So he has an advantage on the feet here against Usman. If this fight stays standing the entire time, I think Usman can present some problems. I mean, Masvidal is hittable and Usman has a ton of power and his, his striking continues to improve. So I'm not saying it's going to be necessarily a blowout and Usman doesn't have a shot on the feet. Of course, with that kind of power that Usman possesses and the, his improvements, I mean, he definitely has a shot even on the feet, but Masvidal is the more technical striker. He's a more diverse striker. That's his path to victory. And I think the longer that Usman keeps upright, Masvidal is going to have his opportunities to do some damage and possibly get Usman out of there. So the narrative here is very clear. Usman's the grinder. He's the wrestler. He's just an outstanding wrestler. I mean, his takedown defense is incredible, obviously, and his offense of wrestling is incredible as well. I mean, who was able to ragdoll Tyron Woodley? I know that Burns was able to kind of replicate some of that after the fact, but before 
Usman got a hold of him. I mean, nobody was able to do that to Woodley. So that's impressive to say the least. And Usman's been pretty much able to do that with everybody that he's been in there with outside of Covington, of course. I think that was probably one of Usman's hardest fights to date. And I think that if they ever rematch it, it will be again, certainly. But that said, this is also a difficult matchup because, again, Masvidal presents a lot of problems. His takedown defense, make no mistake about it, continues to improve. He's been training with high-caliber wrestlers. He knows what the narrative here is as well. So he knows he's going to have to stuff takedowns to keep this fight at you know his distance and try to pick Usman apart. Um, can he get it done? I don't know. I, don't, I mean, I'm not very confident. I can never count Masvidal out. So this is another, I mean, I hate to say it, but it's another tough spot at the betting window. And I can understand the actually coming in um, on Masvidal again, because I think it, it's difficult to kind of lay that chalk against him in this spot because Usman's still developing his striking. He's still getting, even though he has quality wins over really good competition, he's still getting better. And that's kind of scary for the rest of the welterweight division. So, uh, but I do think this is a, a fight that Usman can control this fight. I, I don't like the fact that Masvidal is coming in on short notice. I understand that he's been uh, training off and on pretty steady. So he's, he's not exactly coming in off the couch. He was Poirier's training partner, main training partner as well. So he, he's not, again, going to be, Totally out of shape in this fight, but the six days notice with the weight cut, all everything kind of factoring in here, he does tend to slow down a little bit as the fight progresses a little bit. And Usman, I mean, he seems to have endless cardio. I mean, he could put a high pace on you for five rounds. So that's not a good sign for Masvidal. I think Masvidal's best shot is getting it done in the first couple rounds. After that, I think it kind of gets easier for Usman. The takedowns come easier. The control comes easier. So... I mean, Masvidal is going to have to get it done early. If he does not get it done early, I don't think he's going to win this fight. I mean, he's proven that he does have knockout capabilities even late in the fight, of course. Masvidal is going to be always a threat, but I still think it's going to be easier for Usman to control this fight as it progresses a little bit. So realistically speaking, Usman should be able to retain his welterweight strap in this fight. Um, and, uh, you know, the narrative again, to sort of speak, was Masvidal is going to have an excuse right away. Um, if he loses this fight, hey, it came in on short notice. I mean, it's kind of true in a way. I mean, he's going to have that out to say th- there's no pressure on Masvidal on this spot. You know, I mean, he's taking this fight on short notice. If he loses this fight, he could say that. I mean, he could take it to the bank, uh, literally and figuratively. I mean, he, he could definitely use that excuse and it, it'd be a true one. But that being said, I still think Usman's going to be a little bit too much for him. I like the overall improvements and, and the direction Usman is trending for sure. I think he's a quality champion. He's a worthy champion. So I expect him to kind of utilize his edge, his strength, his grappling, his grinding style, and be effective enough to get this done over Masvidal. So I, as this fight line drops a little bit, I mean, he's definitely going to become um, – betting material. I think as it gets closer to minus 200, I don't think it'll drop all the way down to minus 200. I think we will see some big action come back in on Usman as well. So there'll be some balance as far as action goes, but right now it is going to be more one-sided, especially towards Masvidal. But that being said, as the line gets lower, I mean, throw him in a parlay. I mean, that might be the way to go here. It's hard to kind of lay him straight. I mean, if there's value, there's value, right? Regardless, I understand that. But I think, you know, risking a little bit less in this spot, and maybe throwing Usman in a parlay as the line drops a little bit might be the way to go. So my pick is Usman. I think he can get it done. I think maybe he even gets it done on the scorecard. Masvidal's a tough guy. He's, even if he's taking this fight on short notice, I don't think he's going to be easy to get rid of. So I, I believe that maybe a prop um, in the direction of Usman, possibly you know late rounds or by decision is the way to go here as well. So I'm going to pick Usman. I think he retains his title. I, I hope it's a great fight. I expect it to be. And honestly... 
I have a ton of respect for Gilbert Burns, but this is a better fight for the UFC. This is a better fight for the fans overall as well. This is going to sell more pay-per-views. So this is a very quality replacement fight. Hats off to the UFC. Hats off for Masvidal for taking this fight. And hats off for Usman for taking this fight as well. Awesome fight. Awesome card from top to bottom. It should deliver. So make sure you guys tune in and and get this pay-per-view. I don't think it'll be a letdown at all. I think it's going to be a fantastic card. So my pick for this main event is on Usman. I think he gets it done. And I agree. I think, uh, on short notice, you know, the excuse is legit. Um, I think it's going to be too much for Masvidal to, to beat someone like Usman, who is so well rounded and talented. I mean, Usman has made such tremendous strides in his stand up game. Um, being able to, uh, not just outstrike people and push a pace, but knock them out, you know, being able to finish Colby Covington late in that fight was amazing. Now, obviously, Masvidal is a better striker than Colby Covington, and I think Masvidal is a better striker than Usman. So if this fight stays standing for five straight rounds, I'm definitely concerned that Usman might lose the belt. Um, but um, I'm concerned about Masvidal going the distance here. I think uh, as this fight wears out, goes on, Masvidal is going to slow down. Um, you know, conditioning has never really been his strongest suit. He's a guy that can typically start very well, as evidenced, obviously, by the Askren performance. But throughout his career, he's gotten off to strong starts and fights. And then um, he has a tendency to uh, slow down, pace himself a little bit too much, and then uh, lose close decisions. Um, so I can totally see that happening in this fight. Uh, the wrestling is a huge factor. Now... A lot of people are pointing to the Damian Maya loss for Masvidal as the ultimate blueprint for Usman, but that was a little different. You know, Maya was kind of closing the distance in the clinch and then dragging um, Masvidal down. That's really not Usman's game. He's more of a, you know, shoot-in, aggressive power wrestler So uh, with a double leg. And Masvidal has a great counter to that with the knee. You know, uh, that is, a lot of people joke that, you know, a knee to the face is the ultimate kryptonite for wrestlers. And we know that Masvidal can do that. So if I'm Usman, you know, you have to time those takedowns perfectly because uh, Masvidal definitely has a history of lighting people up as they're going in for takedowns. It wasn't just Askren that he's done it against, you know. Um, so I think uh, in this fight, it's really going to boil down to a, a few simple factors. Will the threat of the takedown from Usman make Masvidal uh, a little bit more hesitant on the feet and unwilling to open up all the way? Um, or is he going to take some huge risks because he's taking this fight on short notice? I mean, Usman was supposed to be fighting Gilbert Burns a week ago, uh, but now it's Masvidal, which is a fight actually I think people wanted more anyway, uh, especially on with the meteoric rise that Masvidal has had in the last year with the the Eskrin knockout and then followed by the the BMF title win over Diaz. So um that being said, you know, Usman I think has shown a tremendous chin. So I think he can take some of Masvidal's best shots early. Um Usman has shown a tremendous gas tank, so I think that he can take over even if Masvidal starts strong. And Usman obviously has a huge uh, tremendous ability to take fights to the floor. So I like Usman. 
Now, I'm not discounting Masvidal. He can absolutely win this fight. I think if he does win, it's probably going to have to be by knockout in the first two or three rounds. Or, you know, kind of like what he did with Diaz, maybe a, a doctor stoppage if he opens up a nasty cut or something. But if that doesn't happen, I don't see Masvidal winning a decision. Uh, I don't see him submitting him or anything. Um, I mean, it needs to be a, qu- a knockout early because I see Usman taking this fight over late and I see Usman uh, just outworking Masvidal over the course of five rounds, most likely winning a decision. I think that is, if you're going props, that's probably the bet to make because that's still pretty decent plus money. A lot better than uh, just the Usman winning at like minus 200. So my pick is going to be Usman. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC 251. If we have a free play to give out, make sure to follow at MMAOB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsbreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Remember, check out MMA Oddsbreaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.